Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So the Warriors, they went out on the road and they lost to the Portland Trail Blazers 125-122. And this was a game that it seemed like they had in their grasp. It wasn't one where they were running away, but, you know, they were in a good flow for a lot of the game and they went into halftime with a lead and you thought, okay, maybe, maybe they will turn it on in the third. But if we go back to that last OKC game, there were a couple things that, you know, even though that game ended really well, uh, there were a couple things that seemed very, very problematic. And those showed up again and haunted the Warriors and became kind of their Achilles heel. Uh, In that OKC game, they were just super three happy, right? They've been three happy all season long. And I've talked about this, how, you know, the Warriors with Steph and Clay, they really ushered in the era of jacking up a bunch of threes and then the league caught up with them. And then all of a sudden the Warriors, they were not at the top of three point attempts and all that stuff. But this season, <laughs> they're way back up there, and it's a function of having Steph, having Clay, having Jordan Poole, and having an Andrew Wiggins who is more confident and was shooting a much higher three-point percentage than he had ever done in his career before he got hurt. So that's great, and I'm not just pointing at those dudes for like, oh, you know, they shouldn't shoot threes, but you got to mix it up. You know what I mean? Because at a certain point, I mean, I said this after the OKC game, it's like, if those threes don't fall, that's a totally different game. You know what I mean? And in this one, the threes were falling. Clay was going off. He had 20 points in the first half and he was just like, okay, Clay, he's doing it. But because of the fouling, the Warriors fouling, because of all the free throws that the, Blazers got compared to, I mean, it was a 22 free throw attempt and free throw made discrepancy. You know what I mean? In a three point game. (laughs) So even in the OKC game, what the Warriors shot, was it seven free throws or nine free throws? But whatever that is, it's, it's ridiculous. And we've seen this over the years in the dynasty, right? Like There were times where if you shut down the three-point shooting, then how do you go get a bucket? Who's going to go get you a bucket dependably, right? That was a problem in the 2016 finals. And then the Warriors, of course, got KD, and he's obviously an instant bucket, and that just changed everything. And right now, it's like Steph is obviously out, but when you need to kind of get – your team into a flow when you need the team to just basically get a bucket and stop just jacking up threes, maybe attack the basket, right? Jordan Poole, as we know, can do that, but he doesn't always get the foul calls. And we know Jonathan Kaminga, that dude is going to live his career at the free throw line, but he wasn't in the game closing. And Andrew Wiggins, I mean, (laughs) just to point out that one play at the end, right? The Warriors were, down by was it five or four or something and Wiggins got the steal and was going 
<laughs> was going to the basket with uh, Simons on him, and he had a layup or a foul. Either way, you know, he's bigger than that dude, and he can get over him. And the guy was backtracking, but then he kicked it out to DiVincenzo, who clanked the three, and there were like 19 seconds left, and it was still a two-possession game. So poor late-game execution, a lot of like hero ball, people just jacking up shots. There was one possession, uh, maybe a couple possessions before that, where the Warriors, they just missed three possessions, empty possessions in a row. And there was one in particular where Poole got the ball on the right wing and he just went one-on-one and missed. And that's not the way the Warriors play, especially right now, especially in crunch time. You got to generate those shots, do what worked earlier. I know these guys got a lot of confidence, but it hasn't been working and it continues not to work. I always talk about this season as kind of a basketball purgatory. Like you just don't know what to expect from this team. You get up for a couple games and then you get down. But uh, this one, it's like, hey, you know, I've talked about, as I've said each episode since I mentioned this, was like, oh, can they go seven and three in their final 10? And uh, I don't know. (laughs) Now they're four and three. Can they win the next three? Right. So their next three, they get the Lakers on Saturday in the Bay. Then they get the Wizards on Monday, also in the Bay, and then they get a back-to-back in LA against the Clippers. Then it's the All-Star break. You know, after the Denver game, I said, "Can they go five and one?" Right now, they're two and one. They would need to get the next three. And again, it's not a huge deal. Of course, every game they win is a huge deal, and every game they lose is a huge deal because that drops them. Like <laughs> that either raises them or drops them three spots in the standings. It feels like. What I'm really looking for, as I've said, is just for this team to get some momentum going into the break. You know, this kind of game that we had tonight is not the kind of game you would want to end on. But at least you want to feel good about like, okay, we figured some things out, even with Steph out. You know, we have a path forward. So when uh, the team regathers after the break, that it's like, okay, we know how to execute. But... Uh, There's definitely some flaws on this team, and who knows? It may not be something where they can fix them at this point. I would love if they could, but right now it's just looking like it's back and forth, back and forth. And I am mad at any of the players per se. Uh, They did what they try to do, but like it's just the same habits. And I'm starting to sound like a broken record because it feels like the same cycle of games. It's like they have a bad game. You talk about the habits, they cough up a lead. And then the next game, they just go off and it's an amazing win. They kind of look like the Warriors we know that we expect. And then maybe a game or two later, it's some of the same. So they didn't look obviously terrible in this one. They had a lot of defensive issues. They couldn't stop Portland from getting to the paint early on. It was just like like uh, an open conveyor belt (laughs) straight to the lane. And the Warriors had nobody to challenge shots. That Eubanks guy on Portland, it was like he just had a couple of massive dunks. And it's like, oh, man, yeah. (laughs) Can't stop that guy. (laughs) Uh, So this is, I wouldn't say 
extremely discouraging, but it's just, you, sh- you shrug your shoulders sometimes at this one, because when are they going to get it? When is it going to click? Is it going to click? Uh, they could easily get the next couple of games and things feel good because we've seen that movie before. It feels like we see it at least twice a week, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. The trade deadline is Thursday, midday, I believe. And the Warriors have not made any moves. And I've said, I don't expect any major moves to happen. I don't think that the Warriors will pull the trigger on anything, but I could be wrong. You know, y'all know how I feel about some of the young dudes. I mean, if they make a move, trade Moody for uh, like a Thibel or something, or package him for somebody else that gets them just a little bit more than, than maybe if it makes sense. I mean, I trust Bob Myers not to pull like a Gary St. Jean type trade or a Dave Tordzik type trade from back in the day. But when you're really, really looking at it, it's like you are filling out the, the fringes and all this chatter about moving Wiseman in particular, you know, I've always said that I believe in the kid, but if the time comes and there is a deal to be had deal to be made that makes sense because I don't think Myers will just make a terrible, terrible deal, then I'm open to it. But honestly, right now it's like, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Because for one, what are you going to have to give up and who are you going to get back? Right? Like Wiseman isn't going to get you fair value for, anything. And if you want somebody that's more than a ninth or 10th man, then you're going to have to give up a lot more than that. And is that something that the Warriors are prepared to do? But I could be wrong. You might be listening to this midday tomorrow and be like, whoa, this guy was way off. I could be. I could be. They could be desperate enough just to make that move. But the Warriors never really make a move out of desperation. Or maybe it's just they've never had to, you know? Uh, one thought is that when you look at the luxury tax, Wiseman's contract next year will be really, really, really expensive. But then you think about it and it's like, if you trade him now, you're going to get very, very, very little. But if you trade him over the summer, then again, I'm not saying this is what is going to happen. I mean, we don't even know. I think a lot of what happens is going to be based on how this season ends. I've always felt that. Like, imagine the difference between if the Warriors can, you know, pull off what would appear to be a miracle and win the finals, then that's one thing. If they flame out, losing the play-in, the opposite extreme, then that's a whole nother. So by the time the summer and the offseason rolls around, the Warriors have a better idea of the direction in which they want to go, plain and simple. Do they want to continue with who they've run with over the last you know, eight, nine years, or do they want to move in a different direction? Obviously, that means like Draymond Green. I love Draymond. I want him to stay on this team, uh, but he has an option next year. Is he going to opt out? Do the Warriors want to pay him? We've been talking about this since he punched Jordan Poole. (laughs) Is that something that they want to move on from? Obviously, this team is totally different without him. It's not the Warriors. It's not the Dynasty Warriors. 
we see how critical he is if he's not here. So that's a question. Uh, but again, it depends on how the season plays out. Is Bob Myers going to continue? We're not sure. I hope so. Uh, but we don't know. So I can see the Warriors front office, their brass, just waiting until the summertime because then, you know, you can package Wiseman in theory, in theory, with Jordan Poole's new contract. So what is that, like 23 plus 12, I think, Wiseman's contract would be. So that's 35 $35 million. So if they decide to go after a bigger fish, then you could move those guys, right? Like if they decide like, oh, this this isn't working and they just make some major, major moves, then that's an option. Or they could package Wiseman with Wiggins, you know? Again, not saying that I want these things to happen, but those just from a business standpoint, those seem to make a little bit more sense for the warriors in general. So, but that's, that's just me. Like that makes more sense to me. I mean, the Lakers just made a massive deal, uh, the Lakers, Timberwolves and jazz. And when I caught wind of that, I was like, Oh dang, that's actually a pretty good trade all around. The Lakers got D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt, who I know a lot of us <laughs> warriors fans, a lot of us thought of him as someone that the Warriors could potentially get as a uh, power forward slash center, a guy who could shoot a three, play defense, be versatile, rebound, which are a lot of things the Warriors need right now. But he's gone. And the Timberwolves got Mike Conley and some picks. Uh, and the Jazz got Westbrook, who they'll buy out. And they got JTA and just some other fringe pieces that – add to their effort to just clean house and uh, and collect picks and rebuild. They got one of the Lakers picks. And I think that trade for the Lakers was actually a pretty good one for them. They got rid of Russ. They only gave up one of their first rounders that people had been wanting from them. And they, I mean, they got more athletic. They, get, they just got better players now. And, you know, D'Angelo Russell, he can shoot. You need to surround a LeBron James with shooters and you have and you have D'Lo, you have uh, Beasley and even Vanderbilt can put it up there. So, you know, these are things that give the Lakers options. Uh, I think that it's really, really promising for them. I don't know if they're necessarily title contenders, but, you know, we'll see if they're healthy. Uh, that could be a really, really tough team to see down the road definitely like there's a lot of frustration amongst warriors fans and you you can see it you could read it you could hear it uh the warriors they are still kind of who they have been this season a woefully inconsistent team that can be at times thrilling but also frustrating because they just cannot cannot close out and in terms of the way they played in this one it's like i said they weren't get into the free throw line. And there's something about also someone like Jordan Poole and Steph, right? Like they don't get the calls, plain and simple. They don't get the calls. Part of it is maybe <laughs> because they mock and make fun of the refs and stuff. Maybe uh, the refs just don't give them the calls. But also, you know, the way, if you look at Jordan Poole drive to the basket, a lot of times it's like 
because he doesn't get a ton of explosive lift. It's just like him reaching up there and he'll get swatted and he'll get a lot of contact down low, which honestly, sometimes the refs don't look at or they let slide. Someone like Kaminga, he gets a lot of contact up high because he's bigger and he's stronger. He can take the contact, but it's also like he's so explosive. Defenders meet him up high and try to block his shot there. You know what I mean? Whereas like with Poole, it's like he's just so extended that guys can challenge his shot up top without really having to make contact with him. I'll leave it at that for now. I got a couple of days off. If the Warriors make a trade, then there will be an emergency Oakland Warriors podcast episode. So we shall see. Anyway, Lakers game is on Saturday. It'll be interesting because that, I believe, is the first game where their new players will play in, and it'll be at Chase Center. So uh, that's one that Warriors can hopefully get. But again, we'll see. We'll see. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back. Is Steph going to go for 30? Is Clay going to hit five threes? Is James Wiseman going to play? Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So this is part two of this episode because after I finished recording this episode talking about the Warriors-Blazers game, I saw that Kevin Durant got traded to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, the deal was Kevin Durant to the Suns for Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, four first rounders, and I believe a pick swap. And dang, <laughs> dang, that changes a lot. I mean, the West got better in terms of the Lakers getting better earlier, like I talked about. And now, basically, the Nets they've sent. Kyrie Irving to the Mavs, making them basically better, right? You would think unless he melts down or says something silly or bails on his team really early. And then you send Kevin Durant to the West, back to the West again as well. And I don't know, initial reactions are like, if I didn't think the Warriors were going to make a move before, I really don't know what kind of move they can make now, to be honest. Obviously, everything depends on health. If uh, Booker, Devin Booker's healthy, if Kevin Durant gets healthy uh, for the Lakers, if Anthony Davis stays healthy, if LeBron James stays healthy, and for the Warriors, you know, if Steph gets healthy and all that jazz. But man, the West just got really, 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 it just changed everything. I mean, I did. I said earlier, I don't know if the Warriors can get anybody that would really change the calculus for the team. And with this even more stacked West, I'm I'd have to sit down and really, really pour over <laughs> what real options are out there to make a huge difference to really, really give this team make them markedly better. Right? I think 
of course, that if they're healthy, they're clicking, all that jazz, whatever they're then let's see how it goes. But if they're trying to match move for move, I just don't think that's at all possible. So they got to get better within and they got to get healthy and we'll see how this plays out. There's still another half day or so left of this trade deadline stuff and something crazy could happen, but man, that really alters the landscape of the West. I mean, if you look at the Suns, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Kevin Durant, that four right there, if they're healthy, that's that's tough. That's really, really tough. You know, they have a guy who can orchestrate. They have guys who are veterans. They have guys who can hit at all three levels. Uh, they have youth. They may not have the deepest bench. And we know from the 2019 finals that that can come to bite you on the butt if things don't fall the right way, if guys get hurt, uh, nagging injuries, whatever. And hey, I said it last season, I don't trust Chris Paul to be healthy in the playoffs, deep into the playoffs, but could prove me wrong, you know? So uh, we'll see. I'm just kind of stunned right now, and I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, it's getting it's getting crazy. I think after the dust settles, not just on this trade or the Lakers trade, it's like just when this deadline ends, it's going to be really, really interesting just to see how the rest of the season looks in terms of just the West. You know, I mean, it's crazy because the Nets before KD got hurt, they were like what top two, at least top three in the East. And then they're in fourth place when they traded Kyrie and um, Kevin Durant is like basically a fourth place team in the East that's expecting to get their best player back, you know, because their hand was forced, just gave up. They just gave their best players to the Western conference. So it's nuts, man. It's nuts. That franchise, that Nets franchise, they they have some picks. It's great to get all those picks, but man, they have been through some weird stuff the last few years. So at the very least, as a Warriors fan, you can say, at least we're not the Nets. All right. Well, that is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to leave us a nice review saying good stuff about the show on Apple Podcasts, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated and it would be very, very helpful. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time and go Dubs.